tonight. Thank you for our students. We uh, ask that you just speak to us, Lord, quicken us, and uh, thank you that we can submit to your word and it changes us. We can come under the authority of what you say, and uh, we know who we are, and because of what you say that we are. Thank you, Lord. Tonight, just encourage us, speak to us, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I just want to review a couple things here. First, Peter, uh, one word that I'd like you to remember is that Peter is saying he is reassuring the Christians because they're suffering because of persecution. Who was the great persecutor in uh, Peter's time? What was, who was that great persecutor of the Christians? Nero, right. And he was, in First Peter, reassuring them about the suffering that was going on around them. Second Peter, the big word is remembrance. And I want to talk about remembrance tonight. And that's suffering within because of false teachers. Okay? So First Peter is without. It's, the, it's everything going on in the world. And especially um, the persecution that they were facing. But Second Peter is about remembrance, suffering within, things that are going on in your own life, and more importantly, in the church. And he brings out a lot about false teachers. But before we get into Second Peter, and he really, uh, in chapter two, he goes into a lot of the church, a lot of the false teachers. I want us to look at First Peter. I'm sorry, Second Peter, chapter one. So let's look at that together. So we see here, and we're going to talk about the dynamics of growth tonight. That growth is a work of God, amen. And it, and it comes through the exercise of virtue, which means what we draw near to or what we feed will grow, right? If we feed the new man, guess what? The new man is going to grow. You are growing tonight. You are growing tonight. As you go positive to the Word of God, as you are thinking about uh, the things of God, you are growing. You are personally expanding in your spiritual life. Okay? That good news? If, if we need God more today than we did yesterday, that's a sign that we're growing, right? Not that we have it perfect. Not that everything is exactly uh, the way we want it to be. But growth means that Christ is increasing and we are decreasing. Okay? So grace, we're growing in grace in chapter 1 and 2. And this is, this is really an important. Hebrews 13, 8, we're established in grace. 2 Peter 3, 18, we are growing in grace. And 2 Timothy 2, 1, we are being strong in grace. So grace is so incredibly important in the believer's life to grow in. Right? We can grow in carnality, we can grow in shame, we can grow in fear, uh, we can grow in so many things, things that will take over our life and cause us, and we're going to read here in a few minutes, it'll cause us to forget, it'll cause us to forget the wondrous works of God. Uh, we're going to grow in knowledge, and this is chapter 2 and 3, where it's not the accumulation of knowledge that we're talking about tonight. 
but it's the relationship with knowledge. Okay, what do I mean by that? Growth doesn't just come by sheer accumulation, which means we can know a lot about a lot of things, right? But until we have a relationship with God and walk with Him personally, what we know is not going to be something we experience, right? So many believers are frustrated because they don't experience what they know. So we're seeing here a relationship when we kneel in prayer, when we take time to meditate, when we take time to read our Bibles, we are getting to know the God of the Bible. Okay? So knowledge is power, they say. But more importantly, the uh, relationship we have with the author and finisher of our faith. Think about that. Hebrews 12, 1, he's the author and the finisher, right? Oops. Finisher of our faith. This is amazing. He wrote it, and he's doing it, or he is causing us to walk in something that he has prepared. So think about that for a minute. Author, he's writing our story. Isn't that good? Grace rewrites our story. I was just talking with a brother there in the cafe where the past can oftentimes uh, be something we want to forget. But God, when we walk with him, he is rewriting our story and making it into something that will glorify him. So, so knowledge, right? It's not the accumulation of knowledge, but it's the relationship in, that we cause, that we will experience what we're reading. I mean, it's one thing to say, somebody says, oh, you're a Christian, right? And their concept can be very narrow. You go to church, try to be good. Uh, you know, you try to conform to a certain religious image. But actually, that's not what it is at all, is it? It's, we're transformed, amen? We're transformed in the Spirit. And so the knowledge of Jesus Christ, right? We're growing in grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's changing us and it's making us brand new. Totally different. It's, we can say we are trying to, du be, to duplicate or to be conformed when God is actually transforming us. Okay, the third chapter is about expectation. We're growing in expectation. And this literally is what we are looking for, okay? Or trusting in. Remember, we spent a lot of time with this word trust. Expect, expectation, right? Faith is the expectation that God will do something good, that God will be faithful to his word. So growing or expanding or, or having a, a stronger influence in our life, this is what we are going to see here in 2 Peter. Uh, and he, again, he's addressing uh, things that are closer to home people in the church, and things in the believer's life, more than what we saw in 1 Peter with uh, the outside world. Okay? So the big thing that we're going to see in 2 Peter is this, is know what you believe. And this is my challenge to you tonight, is know what you believe and why you believe it. Okay? Know what you believe and why you believe it. I think sometimes in conversations we can have with the world, it can be very much like we say a statement, they challenge it, 
And it's like, what, what, is, what are the roots of what I believe? Do I, what do I know, and why do I know it? Brandon, do you have your hand up? It could be, sure. To know or epinosis, to, experience, to experientially know, to experience what you believe. Like, for instance, we're seeing uh, that so many people have a concept of Christianity. They have a, an idea of God. But when challenges come, when troubles come, when uh, clever people come and they challenge what you believe... What are we going to say to that person? Are we going to, where is our authority? That's my question. Where is our authority as a believer? It is in what? It's in the Bible, right? Do I know my Bible? Do I know the God of the Bible? Do I, do I have chapter and verse? Even if that person we're talking to doesn't believe the Bible, it doesn't, we're there as a written epistle. So what would be an example of knowing what you believe? If I was to say to you, uh, is there a heaven? How many agree that there's a heaven? Okay, why do you why do you why do you say that? Why do you believe there's a heaven? Okay, where is it written? Okay. Okay. Now, now, let's say I don't know the Bible. But how would you tell me that? Can you quote the verse? Okay. Okay. So let's say somebody says, oh, everyone's going to heaven. God is a God of love. He'll send nobody to hell. By the way, there's no hell. How would we answer that? Okay. Okay, good. Good verse. Okay. Okay, what does that say? Okay. So let's say God is a God of love. Would he send people to hell? Would God do that? Does God do that? Haha, good. All right, this is what I'm saying. You want to write. And so that, that is a very important word right there in Matthew 25, 41, that hell was never made for people. But because of judgment, it became a place that the unbeliever goes. Why does the unbeliever go to hell? Does they go to hell because of their sin? Okay, good. That's a very important, very important point. People do not go to hell because of their sin. They go to hell because they reject the payment and the and Jesus Christ is their savior. Okay, that's a that's a very 
interesting argument today, and it's important to be able to defend that. And so this is why knowing what you believe and why you believe it, it's important to have verses. And more importantly, we interpret the Bible based on the character and nature of God. So we want to be able to articulate and share who God is in these questions. Let me just ask you this question. If God is a God of love, would he send people to hell? Right? Would he do that? We would say, no, he does not send people to hell. We just, we just answered that question. God wants, we just, we're going to read it here in 2 Peter. He wishes that none should perish, but all come to a saving knowledge of Christ. Right? What would be another, what would be another important point to know what we believe? Eternal security, right? Can we lose our salvation? Okay. Why can't we? Okay, it's sealed. Good. Okay, let's have another person. Someone said something over here? The new covenant? Okay, tell me about that. Okay, good. Okay. Right, anybody want to add to that? You're right. That's a good That's a good vein. Say it nice and loud, Nupa. Sacrifice once and for all, right? Keep going, yeah. Tori? Okay, that verse is the is is one of the best verses to uh, really shut down the conversation as if we could somehow earn right what's another one what was the other one we talked about the other day this one's really this is really important john 10 28 and this really oftentimes people are in bondage to a lie john 10 28 and 29 what does that say and this is a and you can like share scripture without chapter and verse unless the person gets a little bit honorary, but you can you can talk the verses literally and the authority that you have will shut down the devil and really uh, spiritually educate your listener but what's 10 28 and 29 what does this say i mean because we will be challenged we will be challenged and we have to have a, a faith that's deeper than my feelings or some cultural mood or we want to have something deep that roots itself in Christ. John 10, 28, 29. What does that say? Zoe, what does that say? Do you know? Good. Yes. Okay, good. Excellent. Very good. Somebody might say, oh, Jesus never said he was uh, Lord, or he never said he was the Son of God. I mean, you might talk to people from other, um, other religions. I mean, they will challenge you, and it's good to know. And the Lord will, will obviously bring to remembrance everything that you studied, and that's the beautiful thing. Amen? God will bring it back. So maybe we won't, we won't have all the answers, but if we studied it, meditated on it, it's in our heart, God will uh, fill. This is a good verse, Psalm 80, verse 10. He will 
when we open our mouth wide, he will fill it, right? He will fill it. Isn't that good? It's good. All right. Somebody said to me recently, when you die, you just go into the, you just go into the ground, right? And nothing happens. Like, that's it. Soul sleep, right? Like, this is the heresies or the false teachings. They, they, actually, let me show you a good verse. Galatians chapter 2. We're getting ahead of ourselves, but this is good. Galatians chapter 2. These false heresies, these, uh, the ignorant truths, these half-truths, what happens is they war against our soul, and they bring in doubt, and they bring in fear and anxiety. And we read in 1 John chapter 5, these things we know that we have eternal life, right? These things we have secure uh, conviction because God did it. But look at Galatians 2.4. What does Galatians 2.4 say? Who wants to read that? Uh, Alyssa, can I call on you? Sure. So remember, Galatians 1 is all about what is the gospel, amen? By the way, what is the gospel? What is the gospel? It's the good news. Tell me more. more. Okay, good news of salvation. Yeah. What else is it? Okay, good. Okay. Can you tell me more? Good, okay. Amen. We've been saying in class, and all your answers are right, but we've been saying in class, Jesus plus nothing equals everything, right? Jesus plus nothing equals everything. So that's been my little equation there that I want you to remember. So we, even as Bible believers, cannot be preaching the gospel if we are somehow added in there. But if it's Christ plus nothing, yes, he died. Yes, he rose again. Yes, he sits at the hand of the Father. Yes, he has rescued man from himself. Yes, it's one covenant. Yes, we are made free. Yes, we're redeemed. Yes, we're ransomed. Yes, we're justified. Yes, we're glorified. The gospel is Jesus at the center. And the, and the uh, equals, if we could say, it's Jesus, right? Plus equals, right? What are we putting there? Jesus plus me? Jesus plus my religious activity? Jesus plus praying? Jesus plus, no, no. It's Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Which means we are gifts. Everything we have in our Christian life is a gift. And our calling is to enjoy Jesus. And if we're enjoying Jesus, we're not sinning. If we're enjoying Jesus, we're not fearful. If we're enjoying Jesus, we don't have an addiction problem, right? And even if we do have all those things, we relearn Christ and those things are falling away. All right, Galatians 2.4, let's, let's look at this. So uh, this is what we're going to cover in the second half here, if I can ever get to the first half. <laughs> uh, go ahead. 
Alyssa? Okay. Interesting, isn't it? False brothers want to spy out your liberty. They want to spy out your... They hate that you're growing in grace. They hate that the knowledge that you have is, is void of yourself. They hate the fact that you're expecting from God and you're not a slave. They spy out your liberty in Galatians 5.1. That's very, very powerful. A believer that is free in the spirit, right? Our rest reveals the devil's defeat. Our peace reveals that we are no longer in control, that God is in control. Our joy reveals and demonstrates that God is the center of our life. Isn't that good? All right, let's turn back to 1 Peter. Second Peter, I'm sorry, I keep saying that. All right, so Second Peter chapter 1. Let's go through a couple things here. Verse 1, to whom, so we know that Peter writes this book, and it's written in about 64 AD, 64 through 66. And he is saying to, uh, as the apostle of Christ, that's his identity, an eyewitness, by the way, the real meaning of apostle is someone that's eyewitnessed Christ. Okay? To those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So I want to read these next verses and I want you to think about growth here. God adding to your life. God adding to your life. God adding to your life. You being here tonight... God is going to add to your life. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of, our, of Jesus our Lord as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. Notice this, this word knowledge. So know what you believe, why you believe it, and it will change your, your destiny. Okay, The knowledge of him. It's not the knowledge of me, it's not the knowledge of my sin, it's not the knowledge of, of uh, the latest and greatest, but it's the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. This is the key to growth, is to know his great and precious promises. There's over 8,000 promises in the Bible. And as we get to know those promises, it expands us personally, and it causes us to grow stronger. That through these promises you may be partakers of his divine nature. Okay, that's a big statement. That's a big statement. Partakers. Just like you sat and had dinner tonight or breakfast this morning and you were eating your eggs, okay? You were part or look at Josh. Josh is partaking. And is that pizza, Josh? Okay. I want some of that. I want to partake of that. You have to tithe that. No, just kidding. <laughs> you are ingesting, digesting, and there is uh, energy that benefits from it. The promises of God. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I've prayed that prayer many times in the airplane, right? 
Uh, I remember one particular flight. We were on the in the tarmac in Beijing, and we're right there. And I had just I had this angle of like I could see down the runway, and this big massive uh, uh, lightning bolt hit hit the uh, tarmac. And I thought, Oh Jesus, we <laughs> Oh Jesus. <laughs> so Lord, you got to stop this flight because it was the clouds. It was like, and then the. And then the uh, pilot says, okay, folks, we're turning back. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. Because <laughs> it was windy and lightning and lots of rain. And, and I, was, I was nervous. Okay, I will never leave you nor forsake you, right? Amen. It's good. These promises feed our hearts. What you feed in your life will grow. If you feed your heart with Netflix, guess what? Lots of things will grow. Lots of bad things will grow, right? I'm not against movies, but uh, we got to be careful. We got to be kind of careful of how, what we feed our soul. Uh, what you feed will grow, and we need to starve out those things that will cause the wrong things to grow. Okay, so we're partakers of His divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. This is the only way out, right here. That's it. That's the only way out. I remember I was talking to a, a man uh, who was a slave to pornography for many decades. He actually lost his marriage over it and uh, lived a very crazy uh, lifestyle of lust. He came to Christ and he just asked for help. And I worked with him for about six months and we just had a crash, uh, a cr a crash program of what grace is in our life. This guy got totally transformed. I'm not even joking. Totally transformed. Totally clean. He actually remarried the wife that he divorced. He's, and he's, uh, he's doing really well today. And God just totally uh, healed his mind and his heart. This is what grace can do. Because if we try to escape the corruption of lusts uh, and all these other things, the pride of life and <clears throat> the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh... Uh, we will never get out alive, really. But through the promises, they are like the walls of doctrine in our life. They teach us how to think. Okay, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, and this is another, giving all diligence. This is what you feed, what you focus on, what you are thinking about because you've hidden it in your heart, good or bad, will grow. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith. Okay, this is the progressive growth. Okay? Add to your faith virtue. Virtue knowledge. To knowledge self-control. To self-control perseverance. To perseverance godliness. To godliness brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness love. Now this is worth a lot of time right here. This is like <clears throat> 1 plus 1 equals 2. 2 plus 2 equals 4, 4 plus 4 equals 8. This just, this builds momentum. When you start to fellowship with the promises, virtue adds to your life. Virtue. Okay? Virtue. God's virtues or God's mind or God's precepts are added to your life. And then they produce the action. They produce the action, not you. Okay, it's like eating a, it's eating a steak. You're not giving yourself energy. You are eating it. Your body's processing it. 
and the and the result of that steak will be enough energy for the day, right? We eat to live, not live to eat, right? Got really quiet in here. <laughs> you bunch of surfeiters and gluttons. No, just kidding. <laughs> Josh, no. <laughs> Enjoy that piece of pizza, by the way. Um, so this is important. So what are you adding to your life? Peter is saying this. What are you adding to your life? What is in your heart? What are you feeding your heart? An empty heart results in an empty mind, which results in trouble and lack of control. So, virtue, knowledge. We know who God is. We want to learn more about Him. Right? Psalm 138. Two, His Word describes or brings uh, definition to His name. Right? His Word is above His very name. Right? It's amazing. So, what are we learning about? See, the world is full of knowledge, but what are people learning? They're learning to trust the government more than God, right? Watch the news for five minutes, right? By the way, we really need to be praying for the Ukraine. It's really terrible what's going on there. Uh, but what do I learn? What am I learning? Am I learning to hate Russia? No. Am I learning? No, that's not what we're learning. We're learning how to pray for the people of Russia and the Ukraine. Are we learning fear? Well, if we're looking at if we're looking at ourselves, we have a lot to fear. But when we're looking at God, there's a big addition. The devil is a big subtraction. The promises are a great multiplication, right? And the flesh is a great division. That's good, isn't it? I can't repeat that. I just that came right out of me right there. So. Anybody get that? That's good. I like that. Who wants to repeat what I just said? Okay. Guess you're going to have to listen to the class again. No. With God, it's a great addition. Amen. When we go positive to the will of God, he adds friends. He adds joy. He adds peace. He adds uh, just a spirit of expectation, a spirit of uh, trust. Satan subtracts. He's always trying to isolate. He's always trying to reduce us to our lust. You ever notice something about sin? Sin is a great reducer. It isolates us every time, right? It never satisfies. Multiplication. This is what the promises do. They multiply our lives. We know one truth. We add to another truth. We see the faithfulness of God. And there's multiplications and then Division, right? Satan is always trying to divide. He's always trying to uh, separate. All right, let's look at this here. This is really worth our study. You can see the momentous growth here. Self-control. Self-control. By the way, this is not, that's not the right translation. Uh, can anybody control themselves? I mean, really? I mean, you're being very good tonight. You're controlled in your seat and... No one's like throwing chairs in here, right? Uh, but this is talking about Holy Spirit dominance. Galatians 5.22. It means it's the power of the Holy, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. 
in your life. It means that we're conquered by Calvary. So now I don't have to react to, to somebody. I don't have to justify myself. I don't have to uh, do a pow- some sort of power play. But instead, we can be humble and, and uh, have restraint so the Holy Spirit can, uh, can move. I'll, I'll give you a story. I was in the jail today. And uh, we were trying to visit somebody. And I've been trying to get into this place for, it's got to be six weeks. And I was a little agitated that I had so many hoops to go through. And I started to, I could feel myself whenever, you know, I don't know about you, but I, I get triggered when there's too much bureaucracy. Bureaucracy. However you say that word. Bureaucracy. There it is. Shoot. So... I kept hearing the word no, no, no. And I said, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to hear another no. <laughs> so I looked at the lady. I said, I said you got to help us. You got to help us. And she looked at my clergy card. I was with Pastor Sturge. She goes, I know this church. I know this church. I go, okay. That's great. I mean, what, what do you know? And come to find out she's been to our church. And she's gotten my emails because she filled out the card and we, Send people these new visitors, thank you for coming. And she goes, I know you. I've heard your name. So part of me was starting to get like, I'm going to start to get firm and, and start to really push my way. And then the Holy Spirit's like, you better slow down because you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna make a mess of this whole thing if you get in your flesh, right? So I, started, I closed my mouth, which is a good thing. And then the assistant warden came out. And, of course, he had, he had a thousand reasons to say no, too. So I was like, and then, then the chaplain came, the guy I've been trying to reach, you know, incessantly for the last six weeks and doesn't answer his phone. So Lord bless him tonight. He came, he came, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know when you want to say something, but you can't. <laughs> so he came out and he used to live right around the corner from the church. It was amazing. He's like, I know your church. He's like, I've been to your church. And I was just like, oh, Lord, you're redeeming this situation. So we couldn't get in to see this guy, the, the inmate, unfortunately. But we made friends with uh, two pe- the intake lady and the chaplain and the assistant warden. Anyway, I bring this up because when we want to get in our flesh, the Holy Spirit can be like this. Right? And he can be like, who? Like, Calm down, slow down. And it's amazing how the flesh can make a mess of things, but the spirit can make it all work together for good. Amen? Anybody ever been in that situation? I don't like the word no. Anybody like that word? I mean, no's are good though, right, Josh? Right? Yes, true. Right. I mean, you know, we learn people say no because they don't have enough information to say yes. We know that whole thing, but... When you're controlled by the Spirit, it's no longer your agenda. It's God's agenda. So maybe we were there just to minister to the warden and the intake lady. And the, the chaplain was a dear heart. Great guy. I said, take out your phone. <laughs> See those numbers? That's my number. <laughs> I've been calling you. We had, we had fun with him. All right. Anyway, it was all done tastefully, I hope. All right. So I want to show you something very interesting here. Look at this. Uh, for he, okay, let's look at verse eight. How you doing? You good for a few more minutes? Yes. You all right? 
Everyone raise your hand. Are you frozen chosen out there? It's nice in here, isn't it? In Ukraine, our Bible school was like 40 degrees. It was awesome. We had no heat in the winter. Nobody fell asleep in the class. It was great. All right. Well, I won't do that to you. I, I, won't, I won't do that to you. No, just 40 degrees, not minus 40. We'd be dead if we did. We'd be all meat lockers if that was the case. <laughs> all right. This is, this, is, this is important. For if these things are yours, big word. If these things are yours, possessive, what's he talking about? He's talking about the promises of God. He's talking about the result of the promise. If they are yours and they abound, it means that they're alive. You have a relationship. You're thinking about them. You're meditating. You possess them. You're not just professing, but you're living it out. Look at the promise here. You will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's awesome. So flood your life full of the promises of God. Trust the God of the promise. He will be faithful. 1 Corinthians 1.9, He is a faithful God. 1 Thessalonians 5.24, He will complete that which... He has started in you. Job 23.14. He will do what he's appointed you to do. So good. So the next time the devil wants to talk about your sin, just start talking to him about the promises of God. I like to always quote Romans 7.20. I'm not my sin, Paul said. I'm not my sin. What a great way to start the conversation. I'm not my sin, right? That doesn't mean we live in sin. We don't make a place for sin. That's not what I'm talking about. It means my identity is not sin. Am I a sinner? Absolutely. It's not my identity, though. I just had a great conversation with a guy in the cafe who's part of an addictions program, and that's the thing they like to talk about. My name is X, and I'm an alcoholic. Or my name is Z, and I'm a whatever. It's like, no, 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 no. That's not who I am. And this guy got into trouble in his program because he said, I'm not going to say that anymore because I've been coming to this church and I've been learning that I'm a child of God. And it irritated them. And I'm like, yeah. I was like, well, you got 21 more days, so be, be good, you know. Uh, but, oh, that's the way we need to be. I'm not going to, like, swallow some cosmic lie. This is the way I've always been. Oh, really? Well, that's not what God says. Okay, I want to get to this verse. This is very important. Okay. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even blind, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. This is amazing. You see that verse? How many see that verse? Short-sighted. You ever seen a short-sighted person? My sister is legally blind, so she doesn't have her glasses on. You know, it's very difficult to see. I remember staying over the house one time, and I came down in the morning before she put her glasses on. And <laughs> she's, she's amazing. She didn't know who I was, so she ran up, and she was, like, right there. She's like, hey, Jay, is that you? Like, she was short-sighted. She could not see far at all. I'm sorry, that was supposed to be funny. That probably was not a good thing. But this is what happens in our, in our Christian life. We 
become short-sighted. We can only see ourselves. We can only see our problems. We can only see what's wrong. And then it leads to blindness. And it's because we have forgotten. This is a big word. This is a big word. I want to share something with you here. It's called the leaky brain. I want to introduce a thought to you here real quick. Like forgotten, okay? How many people like forgetting things? Um, we forget things, right? I, I don't like forgetting things, right? Like where's my keys or where's my glasses? They're on my head, you know? Or um, where's my phone, right? Anybody lose your phone? It's terrible, isn't it? Anybody lost your mind? <laughs> All right. Let's look at something here. Jeremiah 2.13. So this is what happens when we don't fellowship with the promises. When we don't have a relationship. Now, I keep saying this. It's not the accumulation. Oh, I know 300 verses. Great. Do you know the God of 300 verses? Do you have a relationship with those verses? Because if it's personal to you from God, it will be powerful in your life. This is big. When I go to a church service, I like to talk about the church service so that I retain the church service. It's so unusual how after a church service, details of life come in and they want to steal and cause us to forget what we just heard. Believe me, that is no, that is not, uh, that is no accident. The devil wants to take out the promise so that we are left vulnerable, and to forget. This is an interesting, look at Jeremiah 2.13 for a minute. I want to show you something interesting. A leaky brain, okay? Now, you've heard of crowded brain, right? How many, have heard, how many people have heard of a crowded brain? What is a crowded brain? Vanessa, what's a crowded brain? Yeah, that's right. A lot of ones, good. How about a soft brain? What's a soft brain? What? Uh, that's, I mean, it could be. That, not, not what I'm thinking about. Kids have soft brains, right? They're pliable. They're easy to retain, right? They're very soft. And that's why when you learn a language when you're young, it's great. I learned two languages when I was in my 20s. And it was difficult, all right? Uh, but if you can learn a language, they say you can start learning a language by the age six, five, six. It's amazing, right? My brother's wife's teaching their son Polish, and it's amazing how quick he's picking up the Polish language. So, but a leaky brain. Look at Jeremiah two thirteen. This is very. This is what happens that would cause us to forget. It says. Uh, notice this. It says this. Um, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Now, just by way of illustration, why is it that we forget? Well, yes, we can have crowded brain. 
Yes, we can be distracted. Uh, yes, we can uh, forsake God and just not be interested and not, have not retained any of it. But a cistern, I'm not really a good drawer here, but we could say it's like a big bowl, right? Okay. And for you that don't know what this is, this is like the top, right? This can get punctured. This is like our heart. This is like our heart. And our cistern, those beautiful things that people would carry when they go to the well, they would be very valuable to carry wherever the water from the well to their home. It was important to have the integrity of the vessel. But what happens is there, there is punctured. This cistern can get punctured. And what happens to the water in, in the cistern? Leaks out. Okay? Fear, anxiety, shame, we can list them. These things puncture us. Anxiety, worry. They cause us to forget. If you look at just, uh, I was reading this recently in a, in a secular um, in a Harvard magazine, actually, that says fear causes people uh, memory lo- causes memory loss, right? Because we're so focused on the worst case scenario that we forget, or our information that brings any type of objectivity is pushed down, and we don't think about it or fellowship with it anymore. So what happens? The water comes out, and guess what happens? We are now Empty. Emptiness. Our world is full of this. That's why it's going to take millions of movies won't bring it back, right? A million women, a million men, a million dollars, a million success stories. Empty, 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 right? Why? Because the cistern, the heart, has been punctured. So uh, it's interesting in Psalm 103, 2, David says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not what God has done for you. Don't forget it. So how do you remember things? Write it down. Write it down? How else do you remember things? Brandon. Okay. So for the Holy Spirit to do that, what do you do? Study. Meditate. That's a big one. Pray. What? Okay, that's a big one. Thanking him. Making it personal. I tried, to, I tried to memorize verses in Bible college, and I couldn't do it. But if I just took a verse and just thought, okay, God's speaking to me, I thank you, Lord, that this is you and all of who you are back up this verse. All of a sudden, it just became part of you. It was amazing. You'd look at a verse, and it would just be immediately memorized, right? How is that possible? It was personal. It was personal. So, all right, let me just, uh, let me give you four quick points and then we'll break, okay? And I want to give you the acronym SMART, okay? How do we stop a leaky brain? By the way, self-consciousness will do that. What's everyone thinking about me? Or, or, or you know, I want to project my best image, like we're so double-minded, right? James 1.8, right? We're so double-minded 
that there's no retention going on. Retention comes through meditation, reading, quietness, retention, right? Because look at this. If there's no puncture wounds, right, we are this full. We have fullness. We're saturated, right? That's why fear is a liar every time. 366 times in the Bible it says what? Fear not, right? That's one for each day of the year and one for leap year. 365, don't fear. 365, uh, this is a good one. Um, uh, I think it's Philippians. Uh, my goodness, it just went out of my brain. Be anxious for nothing. What is it? 4-6, Four, six. Four, six. yes. Thank you. Be anxious for nothing. Worry. Oh my gosh, Satan is a... What if we get nuked? Right. That's everything in the news right now. Armageddon, nukes. You know what's hilarious? If a nuke lands on a city, we're not doing anything. They come out with all these programs like, don't get near the window. And I'm sorry to make a little joke about this. There's not going to be nothing left. <laughs> okay, that's very edifying. Okay. So, uh, did you see that in New York? They got these commercials. It's the hilarious. Go in the basement. Go stay with. It's like right out of the 1960s. I mean, all right. All right. The scenario today is very real, more than the 60s. Okay. Uh, okay. So smart. Start. Start where you are. Okay, this is beautiful. How do we not forget? We start today, and we just say, okay, Lord, I'm going to talk to you today. Today I'm going to read to you today. I'm going to read your word. I'm going to focus on the promises today. I'm going to just, just start. Don't try to be like some, you know, Superman. Make an effort. So make an effort means just simply be intentional. So let's say I don't, uh, prayer. Let's say I, I pray for three minutes, okay? Tomorrow I'll pray for four minutes. Just, just, just make an effort in the sense of, Lord, you're going to give the increase. You're going to add desire. You're going to add all these things that, um, that I need. I'm going to do, this is a big one, do what you can. Let's say I don't trust somebody. Talk to God about trust and just say, you know what? I'm just not going to worry about everything right away. I'm just going to trust today with a little mustard seed that I have. we got a break, so let me quickly do this. So we start, we make an effort, and we act, which means implement. Implement. Again, we do the small things. Let's say we have temptation in our life, right? You know, maybe we get through one day and we go to the calendar and we check off the day and say, I'm celebrating this win. I didn't eat after 10 o'clock. Praise the Lord. I celebrate that win, right? I don't know about you. After 10 o'clock, I just, the fridge is like a magnet, right? I don't know. All right. This is a big one. Remember. Remember the promise. Don't remember you. Don't remember the past. 
Don't remember your failures, or your track record. Remember the promise. Know the promise. So many are in, so, they're so uh, memorized the sin that they forget what Jesus says. The promise brings perspective. Tell Jesus about the promise. Remind God. Lord, you said, if I ask anything in your name, you will give it to me. Remember? <laughs> right? Remember that, Lord? Otherwise, my brain is going to be leaky. All right? Nobody likes, you know, if you're living on the first floor, there's a leaky toilet. I had that happen in one of my rentals, right? It's great. I mean, it was clear water, so not to get gross here. But leak, leaks are not any fun. Okay, lastly, remember things take time. This is a big one. Things take time. You don't build Rome in a day. You don't build a disciple in a day. You and I are products of investment, and it takes time. Right? It takes time. So what are the what? What is the SMART? We're the acronym SMART. What are they? Number one. What's what's the S? Start. Don't don't judge yourself. Don't be critical of yourself. Just start. And you know what'll happen? It's just like a hot bowl of oatmeal. You start digging deep. I had a good dinner, so I'm not hungry. I don't know why all my illustrations are about food here, but you dig deep and you're moving it around. This is what happens in the heart with the promises. It's what we call marrying the promises. What's the next one? Make an effort. Make an effort, right? What's the next one? Act, right? You know, anybody run a marathon? Nobody? Tim? No? No? Okay, Shannon, how long did it take you to train to be to do the marathon? <laughs> well, okay. We have an exceptional individual here. <laughs> did you finish it? 26.2 miles, you finished it? 30 kilometers, you just got up and did it? Oh, my goodness. Were you, like, on a bike or something? Or you ran it? Okay. Usually there's training, unless you're like Sandin, who's an exceptional individual. Here's some good verses. But actually, well, 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. This is a very good verse that we'll look at at the second half. Remember. Remember the promises. If we're just feeding on the lies, we're just feeding on, on. Uh, I had a funny dream the other night. I'm not even going to go into it. But I was thinking about something so much that I dreamt about it, but it was all warped. It was like this strange. And I woke up in the, in the morning. I was like a cold sweat. And my wife's looking at me like, I had no sleep because you're just so uh, worried about something. And that doesn't happen often. But when you fixate on something, it becomes so big. Remember, the only thing to fear is fear itself, right? So remembering, revolving the promise brings perspective. And the devil can't touch somebody that's in the promise. And things take time, right? Like relationships. The woman's not going to just, just drop and you know, love you at first second here. It takes time, right? A relationships, things take time. Our Bible, knowing God, coming to Bible school. 
Step by step, it takes time. Amen? And nothing that's good happens fast. Right? Can anybody attest to that? All right, let's take a break. Wow, that clock is moving fast. Okay, let's take, let's take a 10-minute break. Any questions before we go? Any questions? Any comments? Okay, how many need a break? Let's take a break. I'll see you back at 9.30. All right. Hey, let's do, let's do a few minutes of review. Salem, how you doing? Like a flower in the sun. I thought you were going to like quote a poem to me today. It was so good. All right. Hey, hey, are you guys okay? Should I call security back in? I'm just teasing. Oh, there's security right there. Okay, before I talk anymore, you talk to me. What what are you getting out of what I'm saying? Okay, we just we just talked about a leaky brain. We're talking about forgetting. Um, do you know what's interesting? There's 186 hours a week uh, in a week. 186 hours. Right? And how many times do we come to church? Let's say we come to church once a week. Four hours. Four hours to the 186 hours. You see what I'm saying? It's easy to forget because of the just the sheer amount of information that the, oh, like a week beholds, right? But if we have like personal study, right? Personal reading, fellowship, right? That, that four hours turn, or, and then coming more to church, Bible school. So maybe now it's more like 50 hours, right? Or 100 hours plus. Isn't that going to affect that number? It's going to affect it. Do you follow me? So feed your heart. See, I'm talking again. You talk to me. What, what, did, what, did, you, what did you catch from this first half? God. Um, I was seeing a contrast, like, when you talk about being short-sighted, it made me think of a verse in Hebrews, I think it's 11, where it says they're seeing the promises afar off. Yes. So, like, that's a contrast to, like, when we're meditating, ruminating on promises, like, our vision goes really far. But if we're, like, focused on the details of life, then you'll see what the greatest of Excellent. Good. Hebrews chapter 11. Yes. I love that. And they never saw it come to fruition, but they, they were persuaded in their heart. By the way, that's a good chapter to read when you're, when you're under pressure, right? Hebrews 11. Yes, Brandon. Yeah, so there's 186 hours in a week, 24 hours in a day. So if we, if we have four, if we go to church one day a week, that's only one hour hearing the Bible. So four hours to 186 other hours that we're having other information and other things come at us. It's, a, it's not very, it's not, we're not going to have a lot of dominance with this small amount of time. But with our personal study, personal reading, fellowship, coming to Bible school, being around the body, maybe now my spiritual focus is now 50 hours or 100 plus hours. It's going to change it's going to change my week, 
right? It's going to change my thinking. It's going to change uh, <clears throat> how we perceive life. Any other questions? Like anything, Ray, you want to say anything? What are you catching from the class? That's all right. Lennon, help him out. Yeah, like we, we see in, in one Peter, we saw the things affecting the culture, positive. However, two Peter is about the internal Excellent. That's the only way out, right? So many people are looking to get out, right? God saying, God says, "Come in, come in, and I'll get you out." Right? There'll be a spiritual, there'll be a spiritual ministry, a spiritual purpose wherever we are. Good. Anybody else? How about over here, uh, Jehu? Anything you want to say? Me? Oh, Jehu. Oh, okay. If you want, you don't have to. I, I like remembering. So we could Good. Good. Gerard? Everyone know Gerard? If you don't know this guy, you got to know him. He's an awesome guy. <laughs> That's your homework assignment. <laughs> Get to know this guy. Call him up. Okay, bring him donuts. Go ahead. What's your phone number? <laughs> okay, now that I've put you on the spot. Oh, man. Uh, what I really like is um, what you feed. You know, what grow. Continuously feed it, you know, off the word. You're growing to the body of God. You're growing spiritually. Like, I thought that was, like, I thought it was awesome, like, mm. that really, like, caught my attention. And then, you know, of course, the God, it's like, we have the words of God, like, you know, we have the knowledge of God, it's, it's amazing, you know, um, it's not, you know, this, like, personal experience, like, living in the world, and then actually knowing that there is something else, because then you have this thing that people are saying, like, they say, um, it gotta be a better way. It gotta be another way. Like that's the language out like in the world. It gotta be another way. You know, you working, you're joking around, but at the same time, everybody really means it. Like yeah. it's gotta be another way. And then it's like it is, you know, Jesus is the way. Then you really you really, you know, get to understand you start to just uh see in the day in your days as you walk, like, oh man, you know, you really there the whole time. Mm -hmm. You know, and I didn't understand it. Mm -hmm. You know, so uh gospel is like it, it is it like you know trying to word it properly but it's exciting amen it's awesome exciting. good good how many people agree with that huh there is another way awesome
Awesome. Anybody else? Yeah, Tori? Good word, Jerry. Yes. So it's best to fill your heart and fill your heart Jesus. You will also fill the brim and know that if um this they have a saying that goes idle hands do the devil's work. Yeah. So I apply this stuff. Like you read your Bible, come to church more often, grace hour, that's what it is. Yes. How many people listen to the Grace Hour? Just curious. Good. Anybody know the name Oretta? Anybody know the caller Oretta? So that's his grandmother, right? Yes. His grandmother. And they've they've prayed for Tori for years, right? And uh, here he is. He's an awesome young man of God. So that's great. Prayer works, isn't it? All right. Let's jump in real quick here. Let's let's jump in. Uh, okay. Second Peter chapter one. Okay. Verse 10, therefore, brethren, be even more diligent. So again, he's making an urgent plea to make your call and election sure. If you do these things, you will never stumble. What things? Again, he's talking about feasting on the word, having a relationship of the word, being partakers of the divine nature. I like what Lenin said. Our kids have the best and worst of us, right? But we have the best of Christ in us. Amen. We have all of who he is in us. These things will you'll never stumble for so as an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now look at these next verses. For this reason I will not be neg- negligent to remind you. Okay, we're going to he- we're going to see this word remind and reminding and bring to bring attention. By the way, John 14 uh, 26, right? A good verse to He'll bring back to remembrance what we have put in, put in our hearts, right? And this is where he goes on to say, uh, Be diligent to remind you always of these things. Which things is he talking about? He's talking about the supply of the kingdom. We just read in verse 11, the promises. The promises. By the way, how many promises do you know? I challenge you in your personal study, focus with the promises. Like there's over 8,000 of them. Thanking God for who he is and what he has done. It's so valuable. Uh, though, though uh, okay, always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth, you see that? Yes, I think it is right, as long as I am in this tent, to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must be put off this tent, just as the Lord Jesus Christ has shown me. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of things after I am gone. Okay, Paul is saying, I am going to exit, but I don't want you to forget Philippians 4, 9, what you have seen, learned, and heard, you do. Philippians 4, 9. Paul is saying the same principle here through Peter. Uh, don't forget what I have told you. Don't forget. Don't forget. Listen, life gets busy. Life gets busy. Crowds the mind. Causes a leaky brain. We can have those puncture wounds uh, healed up and we can retain. We can have the love of God be more powerful in our life than fear. 
because perfect love casts out fear. We can have the peace of God rule our heart. Why? Because we know ultimately who's in control. The devil has to have permission to, to do anything in your life. So if he has to ask permission, then we know that God has a provision. Right? Did you catch that? You are the property of God. Satan cannot do anything. I mean, just look at Job 1.8. He cannot do anything without God's permission. So if he needs permission, it means that God has a supernatural provision for whatever you're going to walk through. Okay? All right. Um, so let's look at 1 Corinthians 9 for a minute. 1 Corinthians 9. I want you to bring attention to this for your own reading. 1 Corinthians 9, 24. Preparation of the heart, right? Brandon brought out a great point at break. That acronym SMART, it all starts with praying those things into existence, right? Praying a start into existence, right? Right? Let's say, let's say that, you know, I say, Lord, I want to fall in love with my Bible. And I pray, I say, God, give me a desire to love my Bible. God will do that. Lord, give me a desire to, uh, to serve my enemy. And God will do that. So notice this in 1 Corinthians 9.24 through 27. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they that do it obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. That's a big word. It means abstractly. It doesn't mean I'm just kind of winging it. No, no, no. There's heart preparation. There's intentional. There's like a plan. Thus I fight not as one who beats the air. Anybody box? Kickbox or anything? Nobody? Josh, do you train like that? What happens when you beat the air, Josh? What happens? What happens when you beat the air? You're hitting nothing. What do you do? What happens to you? You get tired. Right. You're getting tired. You're getting worn out. You're getting exhausted. You need a target. You need a place to um, focus on, right? And you can get tired that way too. You can, I mean. But beats the air means like you're aiming at nothing. Somebody said if you aim at nothing, you're sure to hit it, right? It's that same principle, right? But I, I do not do it, to, uh, not as one who beats the air. But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. That's another great word. And that's not talking about like self-restraint. It means that someone else is dominating our heart, mind, and our body. And that's the Holy Spirit. Lest when I have preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. That's a scary verse, right? By the way, everything that we say, we will be tested on, right? All right. Are you still with me? You guys okay? Yep. You all right? Okay, let's turn back to 2 Peter. All right, so verse 16 is very interesting. 
uh, verse 16 through the end of the chapter. And I want to bring this point that he is bringing credibility to his testimony. He says in verse 16 that he was an eyewitness of his majesty. Isn't that awesome? It's amazing. And then he talks about in 17, this excellent glory, speaking of God the Father. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Bringing up an account of when he walked with Jesus. Verse 19, so we all have a a prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to take heed as a light that shines in a dark place. Again, take heed, hold fast. Uh, All these very strong words of focus and don't lose your perspective. Okay. Until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. And we are in this day where everything is skewed with man's rationale. Let me tell you, the Bible is not rational. Faith is not logical. Faith is not even reasonable. If we're trying to interpret God based on our natural understanding, we will miss God every single time. Actually, faith is chronological. Not logical, it's chronological. Which speaks about a process or a series of events where God is going to show himself in a specific way so that you will understand who he is at the end. So what do I mean by that? Let's say... Let's say we're praying, we're praying for something, we're believing God for something, and it looks impossible. God says, keep praying, keep praying, keep believing, keep trusting, keep looking at my promises. Don't forget who I am. I'm greater than it all. Chronological, step by step, moment by moment, decision by decision. And at the other end, when the prayer is answered, we look back and we can see the hand of God every step. Why? Because faith is chronological. It is not logical. Because God is never going to act the way we think he's going to act. Right? God, why didn't you heal that person? Well, he did. He took them home. And you can see that process of the, the hand of God that led that whole family to Christ that would have never come to Christ unless that saint suffered in such a way that brought glory to God. And eventually, the end game was they got saved, the whole family. I mean, a great story is a a man prayed for his best friend 54 years. He prayed for his friend 54 years to get saved. His friend died. This guy dies in his prayers, still praying, and his friend gets saved at his funeral. (laughs) I mean, that's crazy, isn't it? And not only did he get saved, but his other people in his family got saved. It's amazing. It's chronological. This is why don't put God in a box. It's going to be better than you can imagine. All right. So no private interpretation. If it's not in the Bible, if it's not literally found in the Bible, um, got to really be careful. Today is really deceptive. Uh, The prophecy never came by the will of man, but by holy men of God, spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Amazing. All right. So let's just briefly look at chapter 2. Any questions? How are you doing? You all right? Isn't that good? Chronological, right? 
you know, because the world is so um, pragmatic, they're so reasonable, you know. Of course our, close, our church closes during, uh, during the pandemic. That's reasonable. It might be reasonable, but is that the will of God? Faith often looks opposite of reasonable. Now, I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with being reasonable, but I'm not going to put God in a box in, based on my, my estimation of logic. Okay. Anyway, that's a huge topic, and I think we can let that rest for now. Okay, so destructive doctrines. Look at them. So 2 Peter and Jude, the book of Jude, they are like brothers here, okay? Now, I want to give you something to look at for your homework. I'm not going to grade it, but I want you to look up. Uh, when you look at chapter 2, 1 through 11, you see false teachers. And what's dangerous is the same thing that happened in Galatians, in Galatia. The deceivers integrated in the church, and the church did not recognize it. We see that in Galatians uh, 2, 4, and 3, 1, and 5, 1. Okay? Okay, but there were also false prophets among the people, even as there were false prophets among you, who were secretly bringing in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who had brought them and brought and bring on themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their destructive ways. Woe. And many will follow their destructive ways. Okay, we're in, we're in an age of apostasy. Believers falling away. He says later on in verse 21, it would be better that they were not even saved. Big, big. <laughs> Second Peter 2.21. Look at it. That's a good, that's a good little zinger right there. It means that a carnal Christian can be more destructive than an unbeliever. Better that they weren't even saved. Well, the debate there, and I'll let you read that, is our carnality doesn't just affect us, it can affect and bring accusation to the testimony and shame of the testimony of Christ. Many are destroyed, because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. By covetousness they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time their judgment has not been idle, and their destruction does not slumber. Whoa. Galatians chapter 1 talks about the, uh, the word anathema. Uh, I don't have that. Let me just look there. Look at this. It means their ways are dedicated to destruction. Uh, Galatians chapter 1. They pervert the gospel in 6 and 7. And they are cursed in verse 8. And in verse 9, their ways are dedicated to destruction. That's scary. You know, you see this, you see this crazy stuff on television about people being knocked over and and handkerchiefs, buy this handkerchief and you'll be healed. And you know, honestly, these I don't I'm not their judge, but I am scared for for people that follow such nonsense. 
It's nonsense. The, the faith healing movement and um, this strange, like, uh, e- Eastern mysticism that's crept into a lot of contemporary churches that have deceived many because they have so many needs. And of course they're going to give all their money because they believe in a lie, thinking that it's true. And, uh, you know, pastors that have three jets and five Bentleys, that's blasphemous. I don't care. I'm going to say it right out. That is not right. That is not right. So, anyway, that's a little sore spot for me. You know, honestly, I mean, the church, what is the church? It's a vehicle to love and demonstrate the gospel, not to get rich off of. That's just wrong. Millions of God didn't have a church to, to make money and castles, have $7 million homes. I mean, what is that? I'm sorry. I recently saw something. I'm just angry about it. Anyway, I'm not the judge. That's their business. It's destructive. And you know what? You got dear, innocent people that want God, and they see that, and they're like, wow, maybe if I follow God, I'll get rich. It's like, that's not even the gospel. It's not even the gospel. Maybe I'll be poor, but I'll be rich in my spirit. I'll give my money to the poor, my body to be burned. But if I have not love, I'm a zippo. I'm a zero, right? All right. Be careful of people like that. Be careful. I mean, not that we judge people if they have nice things. That's great. God bless you if God gave it to you. But don't let your possessions possess you. And don't let our love of money or filthy lucre desire to go into ministry to take advantage of people. That's even worse. right? I'd rather take nothing from anybody thinking that I take would take advantage of them, right? Right? Amen? Do you know what I'm saying here? Okay. I know. You're awesome. All right. All right. Let's look at this quickly. Notice their destructive ways because of covetousness. That's verse three. We want what they have. Hmm. I mean, Olu, you know it. It's all over Africa, just like it's all over America. A bunch of con, con artists, con artists, right? Okay, I'm done talking about that. I'm just, I should stop talking about that. We pray for their souls. Okay. All right. Where am I here? Uh, they will exploit you. Isn't that interesting? They'll exploit you. They'll take advantage of you. They'll take all your money. I remember this happened to my brother in Philadelphia. Like there was a woman uh, really burned by the church because the way they used to do this in this particular movement, and they used to have lines that would, like different lines for the offering. There'd be the $100 line. The $50 line, the $100 line, the $500 line, and the $1,000 line. So this woman, that's, that's totally wrong already. It's totally wrong. This is why the unbelievers like doesn't want to be part of the church, because the church is a circus in this particular case. I'd rather have nothing in the Bible, right, than to have all that craziness. Anyway, this, this dear lady, we met her on the street. We're in Philadelphia. And she's like, I'm never going back to the church again. I'm like, why? So she told me her story. She goes, my, the pastor, I helped him mortgage his house. I gave him lots of money. Oh, they'd have offerings for their kids and offerings for their car repair and all kinds of offerings. Talk about the Bible for three minutes and have 25 offerings and all that. So one day, this girl could not give. She could not give because she was out of work because she was sick. And um, so she was sitting down. And of course, 
in certain circumstances, the offerings are kind of like a show. The baskets up there, you have to walk up and put your offering in. Make sure everyone sees you, right? Like a Pharisee, right? They see you. And uh, anyways, this lady couldn't do it because she was sick and lost work and was bro- a lot of money lost. And, the, and this pastor, he openly rebuked her and said, hey, you know, you've had enough money to do your hair and your nails, but you can't give $50 to the Lord, right? So I don't know about you. I heard her story. She went into great detail. She was really broken because she gave all money to mortgages, house, and help. She was a great sacrificial giver, right? And then she was cut when she couldn't give. Like, what is that, right? That's just a, that's a work of darkness. Uh, this is a good verse. 1 Timothy 4.1. It's a doctrine of demons. Demons. Oh, my. Oh, the church is just a business. All it wants is our, our money. You know, unfortunately, some churches are like that. I had a guy, I read about a guy chastising his church because they wouldn't buy him a Rolex. I mean, what is that? What is that? Like, that shouldn't, he shouldn't be preaching, right? Okay, I'm back there again. All right. So, doctrine of demons. So this precious lady was in my brother's church in Philly, and the grace of God healed her. And we just told her, we don't want your money. Don't give any money. Just sit and receive the life of Christ. And she was healed. So anyway, chapter 2, you're going to have to read it yourself. We have to close in a minute. But look what happens here. Uh, look what happens here. God, okay, verse 4, we see uh, what God did in Sodom and Gomorrah. And he refers to Noah a preacher of righteousness. He even calls Lot righteous in verse 7. Was Lot righteous? Was he? I mean, was he? Yes. This is a finished work perspective, right? The Bible says it. Amen. Amen. Just like David, a man after his own heart, right? Yep. But Lot... Lot had uh, quite a resume. Anyway, he is used here as a as an example. Now, notice what it says here. Uh, okay, let's look at verse nine. Are you there? Verse nine. How many are in verse nine? Okay, chapter two. Then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment, and especially those who walk according to the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise authority. They are presumptuous, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries, whereas angels who are greater in power and might do not bring reviling accusation against them before the Lord. And then he spends, oh my gosh, he spends the rest of the chapter uh, again addressing the bruteness in verse 12. Uh, 14, having eyes full of adultery that cannot cease from sinning, enticing, creating instability in the soul. 15, they have not forsaken the right way and gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved money, the wages of unrighteousness. But when he was rebuked for his iniquity, a dumb donkey speaking with a man's voice restrained the madness of this prophet. And look at verse 17. Here it is. These are wells without water, clouds carried by tempests, for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. 
They had a form, but they had no power. Verse 19, while they promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. That's why philosophy and, and psychology that's based in man and man's goodness and to just try a little harder, do a little bit more, give a little bit more, these are all things that lead to bondage. All right, but look at this, 21, for if it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness. He's speaking about believers here, right? You know, people struggle with Hebrews 6 and Hebrews 9. Hebrews 6, half of the chapter speaks to the unbeliever. So make sure we understand Hebrews 6, the first eight verses are to the unbeliever. So here he's speaking to the believer, people that are... uh, that. They know the truth, but don't live in the truth. They have a form of godliness. They, having known it, turned from the holy commandment delivered to them. But it happened to them according to a true proverb. A dog returns to his own vomit, and a sow is washed in her wallow in mire. <laughs> Isn't that a great way to end the night? So, this, this should put a little fear into us, amen? Right? That the, the world is not a... It's, it's a, you know, it's deceptive. And he's saying, I think we have said it earlier, that the gospel points to Jesus. And the more and more that we get into the darkness and near the rapture, we're going to see more and more heretical things. Amen? So let me just give you these, let me just give this to you as I close. Jude, I want you to look at these verses because they, they, they coincide with what we just read. There's only one chapter in Jude. So it's Jude chapter uh, verse 4, 6 through 9, 12, and 18. Okay? So Jude verse 4 through 6 through 9, and then 12 and 18. Okay? So this shows how the truth will always expose the false teacher. Amen? All right. Any questions? Wow, we went late. Okay. Amen? Amen. All right, Lord, thank you for our amazing students, Father. Father, we're just a bag of bones, but you are in us. Your spirit is like fire in our bones. Give us wisdom in these days. Give us boldness. Give us lots of joy. And remind us daily of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.